on Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. Have an Amazon Prime account? You can subscribe to Q Sports Talk on Twitch for free. Twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. Subscribe now through your Amazon Prime account. In the Booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got holes on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. About a talk show host. This is in the booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And off and running, we are on a Thursday, headed into the basketball weekend. Orange women are home tonight, taking on Virginia Tech. Brian will have the call on that coming up. Also, the Jim Beheim show live from Carabas tonight gets us geared up for the Orange and Duke in the Dome Saturday night. At 8 p.m. Welcome again, everybody, in the booth. Brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company. Along with Tommy Hogan, Brian Higgins. I'm Matt Park. Good to have you with us as uh, we gear up again. Another day closer to the Super Bowl as well. Looking forward to that. We can uh, maybe go over some of the prop bets and stuff. We can really get into the nitty-gritty of the Super Bowl uh, tomorrow. And then uh, hang in there for uh, the long countdown to uh, Sunday evening and uh, 6.30 kickoff in Miami, the Chiefs and 49ers, and I'm sure they're about ready to uh, end the talking and get into the playing. So uh, women's hoops tonight, Brian, against uh, Virginia Tech, and uh, they need one. They need to kind of get it going in the right direction here. This has not been good. Uh, They need more than one. uh, (laughs) Right now, just sort of doing the math, if you look at the goal of the tournament, 10 games left in the regular season, I think the minimum they need to win to at least begin thinking about kind of having the chance of seven, and that's um, just to sort of get yourself back in position. So you're kind of out of games you can mess around with. And that, uh, that's right. That begins uh, well. It began like a week ago, and they lost those two. So it really begins now. They gotta they gotta get it moving. <laughs> Starting right now. Now. So that, doing that again. Uh, as for the men, obviously they've been on the outside looking in. Uh, really, the entire season currently at uh, six and four in conference play, having won five in a row until the Clemson defeat on Tuesday night, and now you take on a Duke team that's uh, in that upper tier in the conference. Louisville, Duke, Florida State have separated, and then there's a a big middle in which uh, Syracuse is in. In fact, uh, the Orange were in fourth place in the league uh, heading into Tuesday, so they've taken a, a bit of a step back there. The thing about uh, the Orange this year and you remember Coach Beheim said this at one point. We just need to get to the point where you have the ability to maybe beat one of these top tier teams. Syracuse historically, and, and I know like when things were really going poorly at the beginning of the year, and we had everybody call in and Bob from Washington, and everybody's terrible and fire everybody, and they've been you know just spiral downward. Well, even in the supposed downward spiral, they popped up and beat a top ten team on a regular basis. You know, the John Gillen bunch and all that, they made the tournament because they beat three top 10 teams. They didn't win a lot of other games. I mean, they didn't just pack away the the average ones, but the the team, the program historically has been capable of picking those off. Now, are you capable of beating Duke? I think so. What will it take uh, here Saturday night? We'll visit with Mike Waters about that uh, coming up. 
but is this a team that on its best day can beat the very best of the league? If you look at those three opponents in that category, Florida State, to me, super long, athletic, deep team, that's a road game. Louisville, more or less the same. Uh, spectacular player in Jordan Wara. A lot of answers. That's a road game. Don't feel as good about those as this one Saturday if you're going to pick one off. But if you'd asked that same question a month ago, do you feel this team can beat Duke or at the time the question we would have been Virginia no. when that was still on the, the table? The Virginia game changed it. But, I mean, if that and the combination of the last two weeks, and just the fact that the answer changed from no to yes of, hmm, well, that's fun. That's fun enough. I mean, we're now we're in. Now we're in. We got ourselves the idea of a ball game on Saturday. And, you're, and historically, Syracuse rarely goes a season without snagging one of these. Now, do you consider that Virginia one as one of those already? I don't know the way they've been uh, playing. Strangely, the Carolina game coming up later on, that would have been a game a month and a half ago where you're like, ooh, that's going to be that's a really tough game at home. Now, they've been really struggling, and now maybe you don't think the same way about that, but... I think it makes it a lot of fun. I mean, there's 31-plus thousand tickets sold already, so obviously there's plenty of people that agree on that. So it should be a, a good party on Saturday night, which is really the whole point of the thing. Yeah, I think everybody needs a little shot in the arm, a little boost, something positive to rally around. And this is the first game of the season that's going to feel like that quintessential Syracuse basketball that is unique here and uh, jam in the place. It's another Stripe the Dome event. If you'd like to call and tell us uh, where your tickets are, Brian is our official Stripe the Dome correspondent. Mm. Uh, he'll yeah. look up uh, where your seats are and what flavor you're supposed to wear on Saturday night. I know the student section end is white, so everybody okay. at that end is white. That means the other end is orange and the middle's blue? Or? I, I believe the middle is orange this and game. Other- Both middles, so if you're on a, a yeah. sideline... So if you're in the temporary bleachers, orange is a good bet. I'd say I, the entirety of the temporary bleachers, orange is a good bet, and then the equivalent on the opposite side. And if you're behind the opposite basket, go with blue. Okay. So if you're anywhere near Pretty that, you can at least out. blend. You can blend it, right? <laughs> yeah, and if you're maybe you know a family of four and you're the only one who's non-conforming, you'll get uh, well sit on the edge, right? <laughs> swallowed up uh, by the rest of them. So. I uh, hope everybody has a good time Saturday night and 8 o'clock tip. Tonight's game is an 8 o'clock game, by the way, as well. The women against uh, Virginia Tech. The uh, 7 o'clock tip tonight for us is over at Carabas in the Fayetteville Town Center. We'll talk with Coach Beheim about uh, the Clemson game and what uh, he might expect Saturday against the Dukies. See if he has any uh, reaction to Coach Krzyzewski, uh working on the Cameron crazies during the game mm-hmm. on Saturday. We all or on a Tuesday night, rather. We all sort of uh, watched that on our phones on the way home uh, from Clemson to get a feel for that. And obviously, we'll spend uh, time talking with Coach uh, tonight about Kobe Bryant. I know he's been asked about it uh, a, a great deal over the course of the week, but uh, in a uh, radio show hour long setting, we're not in a real hurry. We've got an opportunity, uh, maybe for some follow ups and to and to get into that because. More and more, Brian, uh, coming out here in the recent days about uh, the way people are expressing what Kobe Bryant meant to them. Kyrie Irving, uh, among the most emotional NBA players, we're seeing that uh, Vanessa Bryant has uh, put out on Instagram uh, some of her thoughts. Uh, and uh, and really, I was touched to, to see that the Bryants are using their means and their platform to raise money for the other uh, seven victims here who were not as well-known, who were not as affluent, who still have needs and holes to fill and families that have been 
shattered. And so uh, that's what's next here for the, uh, I think it's called Mamba on 3 is the uh, the movement there. So if you, you search for Mamba on 3, they're uh, raising money, and I would imagine that will do very well. I'm certain it will, and that is uh, at least something good uh, coming out of this right now as everyone tries to, to move forward. Uh, had a podcast going sort of in the background this morning, uh, Bill Simmons and J.A. Adande, who formerly of ESPN, now uh, a professor at Northwestern and worked many, many years in Los Angeles, and both of those guys have covered the NBA specifically for a really long time. And they kind of had the same thought that we sort of found ourselves in earlier of the week, and those guys follow the NBA way closer than we do, that even they were surprised by how many athletes in the sporting world at large had this feeling about Kobe. Like, they obviously knew it was a big deal, but I found that interesting for people really in-depth in the league, especially a guy like Adande, that... He was surprised how many worldwide, whatever, sporting people of any stripe were, were this involved in Kobe. So that, that's been interesting to hear from pretty much everything I've read and heard here over the last few days. Well, I think his attitude and work ethic and will to win and attention to detail mm-hmm. and impact on others uh, spanned the sport, uh, sports world. It was beyond basketball, and a soccer player can see that and recognize it. A tennis mm-hmm. player can recognize that tennis is the most individual sports we talked about it the other day with the guys uh coming out either on the court for their warm-ups or their post-match interview they're in laker gear or kobe gear and uh certainly and and i heard dave McMenamin, who's a reporter he's actually the the person i alluded to the other day saying look some of the people i know that are closest to the lakers and kobe i'm not calling them now to, to be on our silly show to to get in the middle of it but i heard him talking last night on one of the espn platforms about Hey, the Lakers don't really know yet, and you're dealing with really complicated stuff. You want to have uh, respect for the Bryant family and all the other families involved. You want to do it right. You want to play it up to the scale it's supposed to be. Uh, ideally, you'd have some sort of memorial service at Staples Center. Well, that building, like Madison Square Garden and some of these others, with you know, especially in their case, uh, two teams plus hockey. There's a lot going on in that building. There aren't just a lot of free nights to be uh, scheduling things like that. So uh, lots happening and uh, many, many moving parts. And uh, I'm sure in the long run, uh, the right things will uh, come here, just like we were kicking around ideas off the air and on the air and on Twitch uh, within the, the past couple of days about ways that Kobe can be honored or memorialized by the uh, NBA going forward. Maybe just take a deep breath on it right now and, and, and make sure you wind up on the right thing. Yeah, I mean, the Kings had a game last night. I guess a lot of people, usually that's a, a black and white wearing crowd based on their color scheme. There was a lot of gold in the in the crowd last night and Kobe stuff. I, I saw a tweet uh, last night or this morning, I think, from uh, John Wertheim, who covers tennis for Sports Illustrated. He's over in Australia uh, right now for the Aussie Open, saying that Kobe was at the U.S. Open this past year. And a lot of celebrities pass through New York. You know, you go, he's like, and most of them show up. They get their picture taken with Serena or Federer, watch 15 minutes, and are gone. He said Kobe was there for like a week. <laughs> like, he was at like court 28, like <laughs> watching mixed doubles in the third round, like just grinding on it. And I, I think it's thing, little things like that of why athletes in other sports have seen that because he's gone to soccer. He's gone to this. He's gone to that. He's been at all these things. It's not just famous athletes, I've actually seen him sitting there watching and interested in what they're doing, not just, oh, you're a famous person too. I think he dabbled in tennis a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was more of a tennis guy than a golf guy in terms of the the country club sport of choice after his playing career. And these guys want to compete and they want to be athletic and exercise. And 
you know, you're not going to hoop at the YMCA as much if you're Kobe Bryant. So uh, I believe he said he'd gotten into tennis and that, that he wasn't very good at it, but was uh, was trying and was learning uh, to pick up uh, something a little bit differently. So that certainly is the news of the week. It hangs over all of sports, uh, not just basketball. We will continue to talk about it. When we come back, though, we will visit with our friend Mike Waters, the uh, Syracuse.com Orange Basketball beat writer. Uh, he will join us in uh, just a moment. His appearance, as always, is brought to us by Fellman Brothers, but uh, Oswego County Insurance Agents as well. Our program on the whole is a service of the Hoffman Sausage Company. Born in Germany, raised in Syracuse, Hoffman Taste Tells. Back with H2O in just a moment on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. In the Booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. And we welcome you back. Just getting rolling along here in the booth. Brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company. Now our friend Mike Waters from Syracuse.com, the longtime Orange basketball beat writer. His appearance is courtesy of Oswego County Insurance Agents and Fellman Brothers. And he joins us now. Hello, Michael. How are you? Matthew, I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. Brian is here as well. And uh, heading into this stretch of this uh, Syracuse basketball team's played on the road three out of four. And now home for three straight, including uh, Duke in the Dome Saturday night. So an opportunity for them maybe to, to settle in here a little bit. But uh, the oper- the phrase opportunity or the word is uh, imperative here in this game because that's what uh, Duke presents, a, a chance at a marquee win. Uh, and, a, and a chance that Syracuse desperately needs to take advantage of right now. If you, I, I, I'm getting asked a lot these days by folks, how many wins do you think it'll take for Syracuse to get into the tournament? And I, I tell them all the time, it's not a specific number, and, and it hasn't been for a long time. But in this year, more than any other I can remember, it's who you beat and where. And right now, Syracuse can accumulate all the wins they want. But if they really need a win over one of the ACC's ranked teams, one of the big boys, Florida State, Louisville, or Duke. And given that they only play those three teams once each, and two of them are on the road, and Duke's the only one coming to the Dome, you know, you have to wonder if this is not Syracuse's best chance at, a, at that desperately needed marquee win. No, we said that uh, right off the top of the show. That, And I also think this is probably a better matchup among the three, but the, the fact that it's at home uh, does change things. Now, Syracuse has played very well on the road. Uh, different animal, though, sometimes going to Louisville or to uh, playing a, a Florida State team that can optimize who they are, you know, with the, the length and the depth uh, when you're playing them in Tallahassee. And uh, those games are coming up in February. Mike Waters is our guest, the Orange and Duke, Saturday night at 8. Let's uh, kind of put the Clemson game to bed. That was one, Mike, where... Uh, you know, so many of these conference games have been very compelling. They they've hinged on a play or two, or or very well could have had a different outcome if uh, one or two plays was different. What was your takeaway from what we saw Tuesday? How valuable Marek Dolajai has become to this team. Yeah. That you know all the plays. Yes, you know Elijah has his twenty-two. Couldn't quite get the inbound lob to drop. Joe Girard with a really good bounce back second half and all that stuff is great. But when Marek Dolajai is in foul trouble now and not in the game, Syracuse is just different and they, they don't function as well offensively without him. 
they're they're hurt defensively when he's not on the floor. I mean, they lost that game at Clemson. Marek has to spend the last seven minutes of that game on the bench after fouling out. And Syracuse had won five in a row. And Marek had not fouled out of any of those five. The last time Syracuse had lost was the Virginia Tech game at home. And in almost the same exact fashion, he had fouled out of that Tech game with about five minutes to go and watches the last five minutes from the bench. And five and seven minutes is just way too long a period of time down the end of the stretch for Syracuse to be without him. I mean, in that five-game win streak, I don't know the exact numbers, but off the top of my head, I'm going to say Marek was averaging 11 points and about nine and a half rebounds a game in those five wins. They have to have him on the floor, and I I don't know if I was ready to say that before this season started. <laughs> well, I was just going to say there's a huge difference, and Sidibe for that matter too, but a guy fouling out with 25 seconds to go, you can find a way. You're talking about one possession or, or two. But I, I felt Syracuse had the lead when he went out of the game with a, just under eight minutes to go on Tuesday, but I thought, look – they're now the underdogs from here on out because in eight minutes you're going to be exposed. To, to have Jesse Edwards out there for as long as he was, he played uh, nearly an ACC high in terms of minutes. It was just a matter of time before uh, he was in over his depth. It was, and you know, not only did you lose Marek when you did, but then two or two and a half minutes later you lose Barama. Now, Barama's not helping you on the offensive end necessarily, but at least he's a veteran guy in the middle of the defense. Like you said, if you lose those guys with 25 seconds to go in the game, there's a lot of things you can make. First of all, you're only talking one or two possessions. You can set something up differently for Elijah if you have to. Um, but, yeah, over the when you start lengthening out the, the amount of time that you're working without a guy like Marek, um, it just, boy, it just shows you how far that kid has come, you know, and, it, and, and not just from his sophomore year to now, from the beginning of this season to now, I don't know if I've, it's been a long time since I've seen a player evolve into his role the way Marek has uh, this season. I think in many ways, Mike, we say that about uh, the whole team, and maybe that's exceedingly specifically the reason, I guess, why that may have happened. And looking at this, Duke Saturday night, Mike, Four of the next five Saturdays are dome home games in February, which are traditionally as exciting as you want to get around here. Does that put any added importance on this Saturday? Not for overall the season, but just excitement about town of people coming out and getting those 30,000 crowds and the whole thing that we've grown used to around here for the next month. You know, it's a good point, Brian. Uh, If you want to get these fans, this town, behind this team for the last month of the season – uh, a good a win on Saturday would be a good way of going about doing that. And, uh, you know, beating Duke, getting people to believe that you have a chance coming down the stretch uh, to get one, done what you need to do to get that NCAA tournament bid. You know, I think they're really close. I mean, Patrick Stevens, who does a really good job on bracketology, and no one knows his name as well as they do Joe Lenardi, but Patrick's really good at it. I didn't notice, but prior to the Clemson game, he had Syracuse as his last team out. <laughs> that's higher than almost anybody I've seen, and I trust him. And a road loss to Clemson isn't going to drop you that far. So I think Syracuse is closer than we might think to the bubble. And a win over Duke 
is going to have them right there, not just in Patrick Stevens's bracketology, but probably in a lot more people's bracketology. And, and that starts happening, and that, that filters through the town. And then you've got you know, other home games coming up against NC State and Wake Forest and that, that closer at the end of the year against North Carolina. And who knows which North Carolina team shows up. A lot of it will depend on what Cole Anthony does. But um, it, it could it could make for an exciting run down to the end of the season. See, I like Patrick because he also gives me lacrosse bracketology uh, later in the year. I I think I saw Mike DeCourcy's before that game, and he had Syracuse in his next four out. So, at least, Matt, I mean, that means they're in the mix of people at least having to do the math and figure things out right now. What's not a get out of here? What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because there's a whole different category that's after the, you know, the first couple out. It's the not even under consideration category which is what uh, Syracuse has been for a large part this season, certainly since Thanksgiving. Right now I'm looking at the net, and uh, Syracuse is 60, and Duke has got to be refreshed, uh, 6. So talk about the opportunity to improve your net ranking, improve your quadrants, and and all of that. uh, That opportunity is here uh, Saturday night. Then when you look at the Wake Forest and NC States of the world, those don't necessarily do it. Those are games at home that you have to win. The problem with the ACC is on any given night outside of the very top-tier teams, uh, who can predict it? And even the top-tier team, you know, Florida State opened its season with a loss at Pittsburgh. Uh, as you say, Carolina, everybody's whooping up on now, but if Cole Anthony comes back, then you're looking at a top-10 draft pick that's on their team maybe when they come here to the Dome at the end of February. So with 10 games to go, Mike, the second half of the ACC schedule, it still feels like this could uh, end in a lot of different ways. Please don't ask me to once again predict the order of finish in this stupid league. (laughs) Uh, We had to do it. Our bosses made us before the season started. Then they made us do it again at the beginning of ACC play. I'm tired. I I don't want to, you know, the old saying is better to let people think you're stupid rather than open your mouth and prove them right. Right. Yeah. You're gonna, I'm done. You're, you're going to uh, keep it to yourself. You know, this is a topic for when we actually do get closer, but uh, Coach Saddle and I have been talking about it. This is a year where I think the major conference teams, particularly in the Big Ten, but ACC to a degree, there's going to be a lot of you know decent teams that are going to have horrible-looking records because of the number of losses you absorb in a major conference schedule. So we're talking – you know, 12, 13, 14 losses, and you might be okay. And then the Belmonts and the McNeeses and the Liberties of the world that are going to be like 28 and 5, they're going to be screaming, saying, look, we're better. We've had better seasons uh, than those other teams. I think this could be a year where the mid-majors are going to have a strong argument. Let us in. Yeah. Uh, You know, that some of these major conference teams are going to have you know, their conference records will be similar to past years, but their non-conference records aren't there. And uh, you're going to have, you mentioned some of them, but I go back to the year, it's like 2011, I think it was, when George Mason came out and, and went all the way to the Final Four and a Hofstra team that had beaten George Mason twice didn't get in. Right. And there was a whole bunch of yammering over that. And, uh, you know, I think this is this is a year where, while Dayton and San Diego State are obviously staking their claims to really good seeds, um, because of how well they're doing and how high they are, I think other mid-majors are going to have a strong argument for, listen, 
just let us in. We deserve a shot. Sure. And I don't count those two because everybody knows that they're in the mix. They'll Right now, they would be among the top seeds. San Diego State's number one in the country in 21-0, and 0, or at least they're uh, number one in the net rankings at the moment. And uh, Dayton is five. But uh, but that's a topic for another time. Mike Waters is with us, uh, as always, every Thursday at uh, 2.15. Brought to you by Oswego County Insurance Agents and Fellman Brothers. And guys, let's get into this game in particular, the nitty-gritty of it. Uh, Duke is led by a freshman big man, Vernon Carey. Uh, certainly a huge drop-off, and how could there not be when you had three top ten picks or whatever it was from Duke last year, most notably uh, Zion Williamson. Uh, so this is a still very talented team, Mike, but uh, clearly going to be a little bit less than uh, what they were in the couple of meetings the Orange had with the Dukies last year. And you're going to think that no matter what, because there's no one like Zion Williamson. There's just, you know, then there, there won't be for a long, long time in the college game. And no R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish is gone. But, you know, guys like Vernon, Carey, Cassius Stanley, Matthew Hurt, I mean, that is one heck of a freshman class. And the Carey kid's going to be a problem for Syracuse because he's big and physical and draws a boatload of fouls on his opponents. I think I saw the other day where um, he ranks third in the country in terms of fouls drawn. Um and you think about that and weigh it against what we were talking about earlier yeah. about Marek Dolan and sitting there like, whoa. <laughs> he could <laughs> carry them to the basket. He, they might just be <laughs> ju- jumping on his back at some point in the game. Yeah, he could, he could uh, you know, Marek and Barama could be like, uh, look like a couple of defensive backs hanging onto the shoulder pads of Earl <laughs> Campbell back in the day. <laughs> I'd, I'd say last year, Mike, in the game, in the Dome game, between the teams. It's the only time in my memory I can remember being disappointed the other team's best player didn't play. Just because Zion was there, it was shortly after the, the shoe explosion, and that's the only time I'm like, I'd rather see him play than Syracuse have a better chance just because of the, the show he had. But then they did have Trey Jones back, who had been hurt in the first game. L- looking at Trey this year, do you think they just slap him on Gerard and try to have him harass the freshman point guard, or is he such a defensive weapon they, they move him around to see if they could mess with Buddy or Elijah or whatever they might do with them? I think it might depend on the flow of the game and who else Krzyzewski has in the game at the time. Um, I think they start out trying to see if they can force the freshman point guard to turn the ball over. And if you remember last year's game down at Cameron, those first three or four minutes, Trey Jones had about four steals and was driving Frank Howard and then Jalen Carey absolutely crazy. Um, you know, Jim Bayham couldn't get Jalen out of the game fast enough. Uh, because it was just going sideways on Syracuse until Trey hurt his shoulder and came out of the game. Then everything settled down. You know, can Joe Girard handle the ball? Do you use Buddy Bayheim and Elijah Hughes to bring the ball up instead of Joe to take some of the pressure off of him if Trey is on Joe? And if Krzyzewski sees that going on, maybe he shifts him over to Buddy. You know, if, if an Anthony Goldwire isn't tall enough to get a hand in Buddy's face and Buddy makes a couple threes, does he shift him? Does Alex O'Connell come in the game? He's a little taller. Now, who are you putting on Elijah? Is it is it the freshman, Cassius Stanley, and how does that go? If it's not going well, even though he'd be giving up a few inches in height, I could see a defender like Trey Jones getting a little time on Elijah, and I would be so intrigued to see that happen. I'm almost rooting for it just because I love to see variations on matchups. But, yeah, Trey Jones as a defensive player is a wild card in tomorrow's game. And I think if you have a good defensive stopper, I thought John Newman of Clemson was good the the other day. If you've got a guy like that, I think you have to throw him at Elijah Hughes with the 
asterisk of you, you want to keep different people and, and fresh legs. Syracuse has done a nice job of late in terms of seeing what matchups they can have, and when they do have an advantage, that they can work on that guy. The uh, current Scott of Clemson didn't play in the second half because he couldn't guard anybody. They, they put put him on. Uh, you know, Buddy was driving him to the basket and, and that type of thing. And so, Coach uh, Brad Brownell had to make some uh, some changes and some adjustments on the fly. Last thing, quickly on on Duke, Mike is boy, you look. And I'm just kind of looking at their stats. Guys like Alex O'Connell, Jordan Goldwire, they, you know, they're they're not like the uber top ten recruit and uh, on the cover of every magazine and, and all of that. But they have done damage. Goldwire's coming off a big game against Pittsburgh. O'Connell, who Syracuse had some recruiting interest back in the day, this year has not shot it well. He's 25 percent from three point range, but uh, it would be very like him to have three or four against the Orange. Because he is a good shooter. And, you know, against Syracuse, you know, Syracuse's zone is going to be preoccupied with a lot of people. Um, so it's a little bit different than the man to man. So, yeah, you got to watch a guy like O'Connell. You got to watch a guy like Matthew Hurt. You know, at 6'8 or 6'9, he's very tall. He shoots the three very well. He'll be the guy in the corner, um, you know, looking to pop open on either side of the court. And if, the, if Duke gets ball movement, Matthew Hurt. Uh, could could be a problem out there from three point range, but you know, going back to Trey Jones and defense, the only reason you don't want Trey Jones on Elijah, or at least not for the entire game, is that's like the one guy. Shashevsky does not want to come off the floor. You sure. know, Trey Jones can't get in foul trouble, so you might see Jones on Elijah at some key moments, but I don't think it'll be a forty minute long matchup. I like it. Okay, man, good uh, stuff to think about there. I know you're headed to practice, so uh, enjoy, and we will see you Saturday, if not before, okay? Sounds good, man. See you, Brian. Take it easy. See you, Mike. Okay, Mike Waters brought to us by Oswego County Insurance Agents and Fellman Brothers. We'll come back for Do We Care in a moment. Phone lines are open if you'd like to chime in that way, 315-437-7644, 315-4ESPN44. You're in the booth. Brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company. This is ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Don't care no more. I don't care. The NBA has changed their all-star game format. And, and stay with me here when I when I. I'm uh, such an all-star it. game purist that yes. this really bothers me. <laughs> mm-hmm. They will reset the score at the start of the second and third quarters, so the first three quarters, 0-0, with whatever team winning each quarter getting $100,000 towards the charity of the captains, LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo's uh, choice. And then for the fourth quarter, they will add the scores back up and apply the Elam ending, so it's an untimed quarter, and the target score will be the higher quarter or the higher score plus 24 in honor of Kobe Bryant. Okay. Knock yourself out. I was told there'd be no math. <laughs> I like the Kobe tie-in. Uh, my first reaction, you know, we talked about this uh, before starting the show. I guess enough's enough. By that point, you, you've you've been entertained plenty. If you're at the All Star game, they aren't really. But this means that the fourth quarter is going to be a shorter quarter. That you're not adding bonus basketball in any way here. This is uh, maybe they'll play harder. Hopefully, they do, but. In an NBA All-Star Game setting, in essence, you're talking about the first team to score 24. That could happen in four minutes. I also need to know, like, 
on the assumption I'm not watching the All-Star game tip to tail because I'm not watching the All-Star game from start to finish. Like, what numbers are going to be on the screen when I'm just flipping past? Am I going to have any idea what in the heck the score well, you of could do maybe like a baseball this, score by innings. Yeah, kind is it of all going to be up there? Like, am I going to have to do math? Am I going to got to come back later and try to figure out what quarter or who's They make nice and, graphics these days, Brian. Well, I think, I, I I think hope they'll so, point it out for you. It's just a lot. I like, to, I like to look at the score, and then that's the score. <laughs> Too many moving parts. I agree with it's that. It's a lot. Charity good. Kobe good. Just tell me what the freaking score is. <laughs> $500,000 in charity on the line. Uh, they're going to go with Chicago area charities. That's where the All-Star game is in, is this year. So it should, I think it'll add defense to the fourth quarter, which is obviously an issue uh, for the All-Star game. But I think It only can be so much. I mean, no guy's going to lay himself on the line for a block shot or getting in the way of anybody. It's also the Kobe would want us to play hard. I think that'll be sort of a factor in there as well. Unless the game's not close, then you're going to find out how fast yeah. someone can score 24 <laughs> points. <laughs> Uh, move, Eight uh, possessions. Let's we'll stick yeah. with the NBA here. Pivot a little bit. Knicks fans, with about 20 seconds left in a blowout loss last night at home against the Grizzlies, they started chanting sell the team. And, and James Dolan has had a history of not liking this chant at all. He, he's kicked people out before because of it. And according to the New York Post, he was sitting courtside, obviously, during while it was going down. And started screaming at a security guard and singled out a teenager because he was the closest one that he could hear chanting this, wanting him escorted out of the building. Uh, and coincidentally enough, the Grizzlies, they had no hot water or water pressure in their locker room post game. There was a little fight between Alfred Payton and Jay Crowder as well. Bad night for the New York Knicks, although there's a lot of those recently. Yes, well, uh, James Dolan is a child. I think that's been uh, well chronicled you do have the right to do this you also have the right to be ridiculed for for these types of things it's very heavy-handed and you just have to have thicker skin than that but it's been proven that he does not and uh you know the water in the locker room which obviously is not a coincidence um those are types of things i mean that's just not becoming of a major league organization, but uh, that's how the Knicks roll. Well, we saw a little highlight this morning. I, I don't know why Jay Crowder was stealing the ball in the backcourt like with the game over with 40 seconds left. They were up 15 or 20. And then like, ran three. to the corner yeah. and jacked up a three. I'm sure he wasn't just doing that. Something must have led to that. Like I don't think that was the inciting whatever, so that was kind of weird, but man... No water pressure. That's like one of my biggest pet peeves of any hotel. Oh when you get God. a bad water pressure shower. It's actually why I enjoy traveling. It's often better than it is at home. Yeah, so, so you're an NBA player, and you've just played an NBA basketball game and won, and you got to fly somewhere, and you go into the locker room, and the shower is malfunctioning? Like, that's enough to lead to a brawl in the yeah, NBA. Absolutely. Like that, that's like an the other locker room situation. Give me your water pressure. Who cares about the game? But then you'd be unclothed, so people aren't really doing that. Well, you could have the towel. Or maybe word would get around. I'd say at that point, you're just you're going in. You don't care. Give me the shower. All right, we'll move on to some Would you run things. from one locker room down the hall to another locker room if you knew that? You use the, pa- the back passageway like Chris Paul did a couple years ago at uh, Staples Center. You got to find Yeah, I'm not saying you're walking cup. out through the arena, <laughs> waving to the popcorn vendors. Just with your shower shoes on and your towel, <laughs> bar of soap. <laughs> Where's the hot water? That's right. All right, this is Giorno. They're giving away free pizzas. Hey, the, okay. They have the uh they have the big um what uh, what was the Seinfeld line with it? They have like the elephant showers and the stuff ele- there because they have the circus. They, and yeah, stuff. I mean, yeah, can you go find the circus I mean, shower? I would imagine at the garden and the dog show, they should have some pretty powerful showers in there. I'd say the dog show probably needs a uh 
a lighter shower. I mean, those are finely groomed animals. Bats, of course, yeah. Brian. Come on. I mean, the, the Westminster dogs are yeah. primped and Elephants, though, they they got to take something pretty severe. Well, the elephants, uh, haven't they been, like, removed from the circus? Like, you don't got to clean them anymore. Nobody's... Oh, is that cruel? Yeah, it's cruel now. Wow. Elephants so, are problematic now, Matt. Yeah. Who yeah, knew? You got to yeah. leave them in the wild to clean themselves. They don't get to shower anymore. Okay. DiGiorno. We'll move on. Uh, they're giving away free pizzas if the Super Bowl score is ever 14-3, to 3-14, to 14, because 3.14 equals pi. It's a bad connection. My Dumb. Well, I also think uh, it's not dumb, but it's regional, right? Does everybody refer to a pizza as a pie? I think that's more of a New York kind of thing. I don't know where that strays to. Why wouldn't this promo be done by somebody who actually sells pies? Like, like, uh, like Grandma. Grandma's is No, like Little yeah. Debbie yeah, or somebody. Little, anybody that's going to give me a pie? I also have a problem with the fact that here in America, right, the score is never three to fourteen. No, we're across the pond and on the pitch. That would be that would be, would a, be blow a, lot, on a soccer yeah. game. Yeah, they'd be conceding. Uh, yes, but there you can be three to fourteen here in America. Though, I'll give them points for being clever. Yeah, and capitalizing. It's free uh, publicity and and uh, good for them. Interesting though, they're going to tweet out a link to the coupon for a free pizza. But as soon as the score of the game changes, that link disappears. So you have to act on it while the score is. So you're going to order it online because who's running to the grocery store to? I don't screenshot maybe. Or maybe it's just the type of thing they don't really want to pay off. I think it's. Uh, I think I say you got to claim the coupon, and yeah. then it's not till March or something. You can go okay. buy your pizza. It's not delivery. Good I, for them. Huge pizza day uh, Sunday. Are you a DiGiorno guy? I'm not. Here's my thing. I mean, as. Pizza go. If you want to have an emergency pizza uh, in the freezer, I think DiGiorno, uh, my parents have actually had a couple of DiGiornos uh, lately, and they, they said they were good. Solid, solid job. I, I think as frozen pizza goes, uh, DiGiorno is the leader. But we live in uh, central New York where with one phone call in 30 minutes, you can get a pretty quality pizza delivered to your house from any number of different people. So I don't think uh, we're really in a big frozen pizza need area here. I agree. Um, one more quick one. Michigan football team is holding open tryouts for their students. They have the tenth, the tenth ranked recruiting class in the country coming in, and they're holding open tryouts. Yeah, it's just a show. I think people do this more often than you know around the country. It's uh, engenders uh, support with the uh, student fan base. Uh, the the likelihood that somebody has passed through the cracks is exceptionally minimal. But maybe there's a walk on or a kicker or somebody like that that. That goes through, but I think it's more about the the event and the, the show of support. Is Harbaugh going to go like sleep over in the dorms like he did at the recruits' <laughs> yeah, house? Like grab they, a grab a bunk. <laughs> they get khakis if they make the team. Something like that. Tenth in the country and falling behind in the Big Ten again. Tough life. I'm, I don't have to look it up. I'm just certain Ohio State had a better class. Two. Uh, yeah, I was going to say yeah. I, I, it's absolutely better than ten. That's for sure. Okay, back uh, to wrap the show in just a moment. Our guests are brought to you by the Burdick Toyota. Guest line. This is in the booth on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. In the booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. He brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company. Put that on the list for tomorrow's show. We need a guest for tomorrow, but we might just... Let's just talk Hoffman tomorrow. Grill some hot dogs instead. Oh, that'd be fantastic. But I I think if you 
you really want to uh, you really want to get the most out of your Super Bowl. And I, I have high hopes for a, a new location this year for a Super Bowl. Invited myself over. Looking forward to it. Um, you know, you can make it an all day thing if you want. And w- why not? Uh, to keep you from getting peckish uh, during the day, throw the Hoffman on, you know, early afternoon as you build up to whatever it is you got coming later. I mean, we just talked about the DiGiorno. It is a huge pizza and wings day, obviously. that's what, Those places will all be slammed, and uh, that's a safe play to, to pick that stuff up and, and go. But um, then you can do the potluck or whatever else you, you want to do. Cocktail weenies if you want to stay in the, the Hoffman Family, there's a lot of options. You can pig in the blanket. I mean, you can yeah. you can do a whole lot of whole lot of things. But you're just saying you just toss down a toss well, down a hot dog uh, at like two o'clock and get it going. Well, one of my uh, tailgate friends, and I don't get to same with you, Brian. You don't get to tailgate that much, kind of working all the games as much as we do. But uh, my man who hosts us occasionally at the Bills games, the longer the wait, like he he brings legitimate. Food, food. They may have started the day before, and, and mm-hmm. so the one day was you know fried chicken and mashed potatoes, and you know it's quite more than just finger stuff. But you know, hey, that might not be ready until let's say noon for a one o'clock game. But at ten a.m., he's there with you for the hot dog. You, you know, breakfast hot dog. Yeah, that going, or you know, if it's a later game. There's a lot of options there. Okay, back tomorrow to uh, talk Super Bowl. Certainly more on the Duke game as well for Tommy and Brian. I'm Matt Solak. Thanks for listening.